I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my gorgeous little sushi plops. It's me, Diane. Welcome to the final episode of the Bleeding Cop Past in the series. I can't believe it's over. We're ever so bleeding upset here, but we've had a gorgeous time. We really have. We've enjoyed it so much. Milky and I are off to have a little breakdown centre park. She'll find me shooting down a log flume at 100 miles an hour with a face pack on, whilst Milky does a bit of archery with a Nerf gun because he ain't allowed an arrow. The nights are darker. Things may seem a little bit gloomy, but wrap up warm. Look after yourselves. Look after each other. Get a nice little Sunday roast on the go. Have a little snuggle up and a movie time and you'll be just juicy and beautiful and fine. Enjoy the final song, the beautiful Thanks Lives of the Rich and Famous. And oh my God, I'll tell you what, we've got a celebrity star coming on for you today's show. But we just wanted to say a big thank you to you lot for listening. Remember to tell as many people as possible. Pass it on. Tell them about our beautiful little copy past series we can't wait for you to hear the album after the show you can download that from all your bleeding platforms whatever they are but today's guest oh my god i'm very proud to call her a dear friend of mine she's a bafta winning actress at the stage and screen welcome to the cob Pass, my final guest of the season what better person than the bleeding gorgeous monica dolan oh. It's so nice to see you, Diane, and hear you. It is you too, babe. I don't know where you are, but it looks palatial. Look at that headboard. Look, Look at, at the headboard. Space on that. It's like a massive Rita's tool. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a malted milk. I seem to have sort of framed my head in the headboard, which is quite nice. And between the lamps as well. Yeah, it's a gorgeous symmetry. Those lamps look like wedding cakes. Yeah, I hope you like the perspective on them as well. Uh, I've got some matching candlesticks. Well, I suppose you'd call them candelabras, actually. I would, yeah. On another table. I don't know if you can... Don't know if you can see those. It's like like something out of Game of Thrones (laughs) at a hotel room. It's got a cinema in it. Bloody hell, they're treating you Yeah, they're they're behind the the telly, the modest television set. Where Where are you? So I'm in Sicily at the moment. I came yesterday. I start rehearsals for a uh, for a movie, which is it's really exciting. I mean, in my, in my um, apparently in my agent's office, they all cheered when uh, when they found out that um, well that that I was going to be in this, but also that 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 the movie's being made because um, you know it's such an uphill struggle at the moment. So yeah, uh, it's a nightmare. But you're not going to tell yeah. us what it is now. You can't leave us like that. Can you give well, us any ideas? Well, it's a musical. Uh, it's a musical of Cyrano. It's a musical of Cyrano de Bergerac, which is uh, an extremely um, romantic story. My my first uh, my first encounter with Cyrano de Bergerac was, I think, when I was about seven, and um, I saw the animated version. I remember watching that with my brother, and. Um, it's it's a very very beautiful story about love and I suppose there are three romantic leads really. Um, well, I, only and... know it, I only know it from the TV series they made of it. You know, with the Ooh. roll neck and the the leather jumper, Bergerac. No. Yeah, that's a bit of a different thing. That's set on Jersey, I think, and this yeah, is Jersey. more. 
This is more kind of set in 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 France. Oh, although right. yeah, although we're in Sicily, um, and there are two romantic leads because one of them there are three romantic leads I should say. One of them is uh, Roxanne, um, the beautiful and and witty female character, and then there are two is that the one romantic. You're no, I'm playing her confidant oh, because Marie and uh, Marie's very trustworthy and loyal, but she's very much of the old order. She's kind of the of the established order and thinks that Roxanne should get married and sort of stop speaking poetry and things. But there are two romantic male leads because one one is Serrano and he's uh, sort of the soul of love and um, writes letters and poems and the other is Christian who's more the face of love and uh, Roxanne falls in love with him at first sight um, because he's really beautiful and in order to win her heart the two men have to work together. And it's, you it's very what happens in the end as well? Just throw that in for good measure. No, I don't no want to do. To 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 see it. I don't want to do. I don't want to do too much. Only on a little cut down, Monica. Not the old bleeding synopsis. I know. I can't I help it. It's in my nature to do analysis as well. Um, how's it yeah, been affected no, by co- How's it been affected by COVID? Then what are they doing to make it a bit different so you can do it? Because in theory, you think you have to go out there and do your bit and then come back, but I guess maybe that's not the case. I, I think it's probably the same for everyone. They're um, flying us out and then flying us back at the end. So ordinarily between uh, between your scenes or between your shoot days, you, you might fly home if you've got time, but but not this time. Well, you've been doing a lot of Zooming in lockdown. I've been doing loads of Zooming. I think... Um, I think when we were in actual lockdown, I was sort of a bit more comfortable because I like to know what the parameters are. And um, in the UK in the last few weeks, it's just been a bit, it's been a bit unclear. And I've also discovered um, Zoom yoga and Zoom Pilates, which worked very well for me and helped me structure my day. And, you know, it could have gone two ways. I could have turned and gone a bit blobby or I could have gone quite fit and I've gone... Yeah, I've, I've, I've tried to keep fit, so that's good. Well, you're looking invincible, I have to say. You're looking absolutely good. You've done you the world of good. Oh, you look invincible yourself. Well, I wouldn't say that. Invisible. Oh. What about the... Because um, you just did the show at the London Bridge Theatre, didn't you? That Alan Bennett show. I popped down and had a look. It was ever so good. You was ever yeah, so good in it. Lorna, you played, didn't you? It was beautiful. That's the I first played... time they've done a show, in it, with an audience. Was it a bit nerve-wracking? Was it tricky? The thing I really loved was the connection with the audience, what audience there were. Uh, they, they were quite clever in that they made it into a positive space because they didn't um, just put crosses on the seats that you weren't supposed to use. Yeah, they nice. uh, actually took out seats. So people, you know, go into the space. And um, yeah, I think they had to text people to go in at a certain time and everyone had their temperature taken. And I remember thinking it was odd because I'd be in the dressing room before the half hour call and they'd say the house is now open. And I think that's really unusual to open the house before the half hour call. But it was because they needed to get everyone in um, at particular times. Not the first one in like I was though. Bloody hell, there was a ball by the time the show came on. I had to go to the wee twice. Oh no. Yeah, it was probably, you probably sat there longer than my show actually. I think my show was 24 minutes. Lucky I had a big bag of strawberry laces that kept me going. Oh, good. I'm Hopefully glad. it didn't annoy you too much in the show and I was slurping them up like an absolute nightmare. They were no, I, I, I couldn't hear those. Though. I can hear when people open their um, cans of water and cans of Coke, but usually they're polite and they do that before and after the show. Not me. <laughs> no, I was being polite. I was being ever so polite. That's probably why I didn't hear it. Oh, we've got to tell the people, of course, at home where we met. 
because we met a gorgeous little time ago, didn't we, down in that Edinburgh festival? We weren't yeah, expecting we did. it, but a love affair started between me and Monica, and we kept, we haven't shaken it off since, have we? No, we can't shake it off. I don't, I don't know how we can't, but we can't. Yeah. We can't. It's like sepsis. Yeah, I was kind of. I don't even know what sepsis is, but I think I did have a it. lovely time. I mean, the thing about Edinburgh is that you you have so many. And I don't know what I expected, but you have so many sort of un- unexpected relationships there. I was sharing a dressing room at the um, at the underbelly, yeah, that's I think, I with um, with eight lovely men, and um, tricky. Yeah, but they, you know, I felt I felt very looked after. I remember one day between shows, I was very very tired, and I was lying down, and when I opened my eyes, someone had put their jacket over me, and someone else had put a Kit Kat next to my head. Oh, that was gorgeous. That was milky. Oh, it was milky. Thing is, with that bloody place, though, because we were doing it too, and there weren't nowhere to go to the toilet, so you were just spending the whole time avoiding these big old pint glasses full of what looked what looked like apple juice, what smelt like sugar puffs. It was absolutely. Do you know awful. what? I was. Um, I'm quite glad that you didn't tell me that till afterwards, because I didn't have any idea. I, I I just thought, oh, people have just left full pints everywhere, and um, yeah, luckily, well, I, yeah. we found that out because Milky tried to have a sip. Oh dear! Yeah, he was. Oh no! The... Did he find a cigarette butt in it or something? No, he was just mm. no looking at just didn't for the like rest the sugar puffs. But it was a gorgeous mm. thing. Your play It was a beautiful play that you did there, and it was called The Beast, wasn't it? And it was absolutely gorgeous. It was critical acclaim. It got didn't it get an award or something? Um, it got the Stage Edinburgh Award, um, 2017, and also it was nominated for an Olivier Award when it, when it went back to the bush. So. So that was really good. But I remember you coming to see it because um, the, the, the really great thing was I used to come off and you'd be getting dressed. Oh, yeah. So I, th- I, I like to think that I saw you at your most vulnerable because, um, you know, you're sort of in between stages. And, but I remember, I remember you coming to see it and you were sort of half dressed and I think maybe you had a cagoule on or something or you had your stocking top on your head. Um, I'm sorry if I'm exposing too much of Diane here. Well, no, but... I mean, I don't have a stocking top. I think you might have confused it for a swimming cap. Maybe I've just been for a swim. Okay. And then yeah, I've maybe that in. was it. Because I wondered what the swimming hair, costume was obviously too. Obviously, my hair is my hair, so I wouldn't be yeah. wearing a cap, would I? No, no, of course you wouldn't. What am I, what am I, I don't talking know what about? She's going yeah. on about listeners. But uh, I do, I up. do remember. Let's just say that you were a very um, unique, exposed. striking presence in the audience, oh, and I did I see am. that. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, well, I was yeah. in there and I was enjoying it so much. And it, well, it's one of those well, it's plays what, what showed you off ever so good as your acting, which you know you're ever so good at anyway. But oh. then it was a subject matter. It's about kiddiewinks being sexualised, wasn't it? And that, yeah. sure enough, that sentence when I said it, I made it sound a lot worse. <laughs> you, made, you made it sound, yeah, sort of as dodgy as, as could be. As, yeah. it could, as it could possibly be. Mm. I have a habit of doing that. But go on. What was it? <laughs> it was about a kid what was having... Yeah, it was a tough subject. It was about, uh, it is a, it is about the sexualisation of children, yeah. And um, lots of it's to do with, I mean... Lots of it's to do with uh, plastic surgery and how, I suppose, celebrities these days and 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 role models, um, you know, are much more open about the work that they've had done and mm. and how that can affect children as well. Um, yeah, but you ain't you ain't ever afraid to to tackle the big topics, are you? Not even with the roles that you choose. You've got a bit of a fascination with 
I guess, correcting the world in some way. Not correcting it, but highlighting issues, don't you, through your work? That's definitely something you do. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't suppose I'm, like, massively aware that I do that. But I suppose when... I remember a friend saying to me before I went up to Edinburgh and while I was writing, um, he'd done a one-man show and he said... The thing about Edinburgh is that you can think to yourself, what would I say at the World Conference? If I could stand up at the World Conference mm. and say anything, what would I say? And I suppose that I suppose that did help me when I was thinking about what to write and And what was and it that drew you to, to the choose? topic? Ooh. Um Was it about Instagram and Twitter and and all those places where these, I guess, celebrities and children are made to feel like in some way they can be enhanced or the person that they're born as is not good enough. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what? I don't think I was necessarily thinking of it that way around. I just, I, I didn't think, um, oh, this is an issue and I'd like to write about that. I think I, th I was, I really had, I had the idea when I went to a spa day with my friend and we saw this um, statue that looked like a child Um you know, you know what spas, the way they have those sort of pseudo-Roman and pseudo-Greek kind of um, statues. And it was that that sort Maybe of gave Hammersmith, me... Maybe in Hammersmith, but the spa in Canvey... It, like it wasn't in Hammersmith. I think it was in Surrey, actually. Got a voucher. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I think, I think I got the idea from that. I think it was, re it was really... It was sort of a what-if story, and it, and it was... Um, I think I just sort of... Yeah, it was sort of coming from an imaginative place, really. And then after that, I remember being in touch with the uh, Nuffield bioethics people who'd written a report on um, cosmetic procedures and what a large umbrella it is and how... I think, I think this country... Well, not this country, because it's Sicily, but um, UK is one of the least regulated places. Sorry, Monica, where are you again? I'm Sicily. I, oh, <laughs> oh, sorry, I just Sicily. thought you might need to be uh, reminded of that. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, the UK is one of the least regulated um, places uh, about, you know, for cosmetic procedures. So it was sort of after I wrote it that, that the discussions happened and, you know, lot experts came on board and we did Q&As and, yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, it's a, I learned a lot talking to them, um, you know, like the... Nuffield Bioethics people did did a report and so I, I learned a lot talking to them and felt more informed about talking about my play actually. Mm. But there's a people will obviously because you get a lot of attention as you, you're one of those respected actors and that's a gorgeous thing and I ain't, I ain't buttering you up or nothing I'm just telling you how it is. But of course, it would make a, a change if you were yeah. Well well yeah of course but the thing is that you <laughs> people don't see and luckily enough, I know you, but they don't see all the hard work you put behind the roles that you play, which is very interesting. I mm. think all the structure underneath these beautiful roles that you play, obviously, like you've, you've played some tricky ones in the past, but they're always got a lot of foundations in there, haven't they? And I think you work, you take it very seriously, the, the work that you do, don't you? The acting and the performance is something you really, there's no joking about, is there? I suppose not. I mean, the, th the thing is that whenever you're playing a character, they don't, even if they're, even if it's a comedy character, they don't necessarily find themselves funny or, um, you know, they're, they're, they're coming from a truthful place and the rest of the world might think it's, it's kind of hilarious, but, um, 
they're, they're just doing what they do. So I think it's always I think it's always a thin line between. I think one of the things that I don't like the most in acting when I see it is somebody commenting on their character and having some kind of complicity or too much complicity with the audience of, oh, you know, isn't my character a bit stupid or a bit gauche or a bit funny? Because um, I think do the character think doesn't you, know you that. Embody, do you embody it then? Do you become that? Do you, do you feel it, like the spirit of the character in you when you're playing it, you know? Is it in there, like you don't shift from it? Does that make sense? Well, you have to be aware. Yeah, it does. But I mean, like, okay, so take when I was doing the shrine, when we were, we were doing the shrine at the bridge... Um, you Which embody it, but yeah, but oh yeah, I think it's there for about another ten months or something. Anyway, um, yeah, so doing doing something like that, you know, you, you're obviously you're still aware of really technical things as well, like if the audience is laughing or um, where you are on the stage, or if you have to pick up a kettle and it's hot, or you know. Any of those things, you, 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 I, I always feel a bit um, reticent about talking about saying, you know, that you're you're too much in the character because obviously, I mean, you know, humans can think of loads of things at once, and uh, I, I, I I also think that it's really important to think about the character as he or she and and talk about them in the third person because then. You, you know, you want to be able to talk to other actors about them and, and the director about them as well and mm. talk objectively about the piece. So, Yeah, but you managed think... to detach yourself in some way in that and you, you're very critical of things you read, not like when you get a script in, mm. you know, you ain't, you ain't quiet about it. You're like, I Am don't I like this, this ain't good, that's got to go. Do you know what I mean? You've got a lot of input into how your character ends up on the screen. I think that's very interesting because the people at home what like acting and all that, they want to hear it, Monica. Do you know what I mean? I'm getting into uh, well, the Well, the way I look on I'm it is... Into the magma. The magma. Okay. The magma adola. Yeah, let's get into the magma. Um, you see, I don't see that as a negative thing. I see that as a contributing factor. Yeah, I see that so. as, um, you know, if I... And actually, I think I would say that on the whole, most people that I've worked with... If I've spotted something and I've said, oh, I think this would work better like this, or if they've wanted to cut something. I remember with one uh, TV film, as a spy thing, sort of saying, if you cut too much here, the, the, the humanity of the relationship goes, or, and then I, but I think you have to bring something back as well. So they wanted to cut something, I didn't agree with it. Uh, I knew they wanted it shorter, so I, I said, what about this cut instead? And I, I, I brought in something else. Um, you know, I, I sort of essentially rewrote the scene and said, what about this? <laughs> but some people have got conviction, you know, and you're respecting you could do it. I mean, some bugger will probably be like, I'm going to do this one with a lisp. And they're like, no, no, you're all right. And they're like, no, I think it's best with a lisp. But you do, you make the right decisions and you're ever so good at that. And that's... Oh, you know, well, beautiful. we'll see. I mean, God, I'd probably better start doing work, some work on the, on, on this one in, in a little while. Otherwise, they'll put me in a smaller room. Um, <laughs> but when I you saw never you know. at that, Maybe that, that show, I saw you in at the Donmar because I went, she gets me a little cheap discount ticket, friends and family ticket. But it, and I go it, down there, I take advantage of it, don't I, Monica? You always see me in there at the front with my strawberry lace. And the, well, the there was a the birthday in your family as well. So, yeah, the... Um, made sure that I got you and your brother a ticket, didn't I? Yeah, um, Posh Wayne. Posh Wayne, exactly. Yeah, my brother Posh Wayne. 
<laughs> no, it was, yeah, it was brilliant when you came to the Domo, yeah. It was gorgeous. But that character, now just tell the audience as well what Tony. it was, because it's the important they got to know. What, what was mm. it called? That It was called... Um... The play was called Appropriate. Appropriate. That and was it was written by Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, who uh, also wrote Octoroon. I don't know if people have seen that, but I think it's actually one of the best pieces of theatre I've ever seen in my life. Oh. I can't comment on Appropriate, of course, because I was in it. But, it was um... also good. But that, the performance you gave in that was exhausting to watch. It was absolutely... Because yeah. you were a tour de force in that. You was ever... Sub- from the start to the end, you was absolutely mm. racketing around. Did you do that two days a week? Two, you did that two days, two shows in a day, didn't you, that show? Sometimes it was two shows in a day. So I think we had our matinee days on Thursday and Saturday, which, yeah, you've got a bottom-heavy week, so that's always... You have to try and stay tip-top condition for that. Um, how do you spiritually... Because it's exhausting, isn't it, getting rid of... Well, expelling that much energy emotionally. Do you just go home yeah. and sit in the cupboard or something? With a packet or Ivita? I do, do I do a lot of I do a lot of sleeping and I do a lot of planning ahead about what I'm gonna eat. Mm. And luckily we I mean we were in we were in Covent Garden, so there were lots of nice places to eat around and, and, and grab sort of good nutritious food. Yeah, yeah. Um, she loves a little pizza, Monica, or a chicken. Oh, I do. A little bit of fried chicken. And I, I, I'm actually, I'm in Sicily at the moment, so I'm, I'm in the right place for pizza right now, which is good. Did I mention that? Did you see how she eats a magnum? Oh, my God. Weirdest thing I've ever seen. When did I eat a magnum with you? When you were in the garden the other week. I saw you eat a magnum. Oh, that's right. You ate a magnum as well. I ate a we magnum, all had but magnums. you ate in a funny old way with your seed. Do you remember? You give it a little dip. Did I? With my tea? Your, yeah, you give your magnum a dip in the tea. I said, Monica, oh, well. what the hell are you doing? She said, I'm having a little dip. <laughs> she said, I'm having a little dip. I like the texture. I said, oh, my God, Monica, you're revolutionary. I've never seen nothing like it in my life. I didn't know well, where to look you... after that. I thought, oh, my God, she thinks out the box, this one. What's she going to do next? Throw it up in the air and headbutt it? Good and then Lord. I did. And then she did. And she caught it in her eye and she ate the whole thing through her eye. Never in my life. <laughs> <laughs> what a life. Um, yeah, anyway, the thing about Tony, that character inappropriate, oh, yeah. um, is that she starts, I mean, right at the beginning, she starts in a really heightened place because her father's died. And she's the executor of the of the will, so yeah. But it's all, all about all, race, isn't it? Because it was all, it yeah. was all set in the plantation, and they find a, a racist photograph, and then or a book of racist. It's ever so good. I, I think it's it about how um, how that white family were dealing with their heritage and their history, and how it was theirs to deal with, really. And- Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Your character and, um, couldn't give up the innocence that she thought they played. Yeah, she couldn't accept. She was in total denial, which is certainly one way of of, that that people approach it. Uh, um, She was in complete denial of any part that her father played in that. Yeah, yeah. which was interesting. And it was ever so relevant to now, and I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, little thing going about it. But there's a great play. It's brilliantly written. I mean, um, the thing about Brandon is that he's got such. He's so attuned to. I suppose the history of American theatre and, you know, that structure of the great American play, like the Arthur Millers. Um, mm. And so he was, he sort of used that as a template and then completely sort of defied and, uh, and upset your ideas about it and your, mm. pre, you know, your, your suppositions about it. So it's beautiful. It's a beautiful show. I adored it. And the thing is, you just... With the theatre side of things, you've worked with some weirdos as well. Not weirdos, but people a bit out of the box like that. Ivan I'm not going to be able to say anyone now. Who? <laughs> Ivan Bano. You played with him. You, you did that oh, show Oh, he's great. He's I really great, like working with him. He's a bit he? He is. I mean, I suppose that... Um, he's got waterfalls on stage. I would, um, I would say that... I would say that in our part of the world and in America with sort of Western culture... Um, in that way, that we're more used to looking at the psychology of characters. Mm. And he hasn't got time for that at all. No. But actually, I think that the thing is that he's already... He already knows that the playwright's thought of that. And he's, he's, he's already thought ahead about even where you need to move and who you're standing next to at certain points. Yeah. Um, so you've kind of just got to do what he says and, and trust that. But, I mean, the thing was, when I worked with... Uh, when I worked with him, I'd not long come back from Edinburgh, and you know, as as you know, you sort of it's in Edinburgh. You're really, really thinking on your feet, and you're mm. um, you're sort of thinking of everything yourself. So um, it was it was good to have someone who I could trust, who was just just telling me what to do, really. Yeah, but uh, it was, but it was, it was, it was a really fun production. On cameras, all sorts going on. Yeah. Some buggies talking to the camera one minute. I mean, that must have been a pain in the bum, no? Reminded me no, of when I was I love that. I love that like- because um, I, I felt really lucky because it was... I had the chance to address the audience directly, mm. which I'd done in The Beast, which I'm, I'm pretty convinced is how I got the, um, the job in All About Eve oh. because so much of the role of Karen is narration mm. and um you know obviously the beast was a, a storytelling piece so 
Um, yeah, I got to do director dress and I got to, um, act, you know, Karen acts with the performance with the other characters, but also um, screen performing as well. And, and actually, it's really, really fun to switch uh, those disciplines quickly, you know, um, on the stage. So and, and to work for camera and then and, and then work in the scenes. I, I absolutely loved it. It reminded me when I was working with Milky. Milky's mm. dad, Herbert de Berg, when I was doing my album, Modern Love, because his dad, mm. they don't talk no more. You wouldn't if you had a dad like his. I'll tell you really? that for nothing. He's an absolute nightmare, that fella. He did the old thing in Sudocream. Right. He was covered in Sudocream the entire time. But you never know, you know, Milky, one, one day, you know, maybe. Forgiveness maybe is a what? wonderful thing. No, he's dead now. Okay, well, you know, one day, depending what you believe. <laughs> now, one thing I must ask is that mm. beautiful, well, it's not beautiful, actually, it's quite dark, because where you like a challenge, you took on <laughs> one of the most horrendous, one of the horrendous women of all time, didn't you? And we can't not talk about this, because when you okay. came on my chat show at um, Solo that you said the most, yeah. oh, do you remember that? You give me all the shivers when you was telling us about when you played Monica. Um, not when you played when I played Monica. Monica. It's terrifying when she does herself. <laughs> oh, my God, you should see when she does herself. It's terrifying. But when you did, um, when you did Rose West. Rosemary West. Rosemary yeah. West. When you did her, what yeah. happened? Because tell us a little bit about the role and you taking the role and all of that malarkey. Because it's ever so interesting. People love that. I love it. I just, well, I remember, first of all, reading it and just thinking, I, well, you know, at the time in 1994, when it was all discovered, I just remember obviously finding it horrific and thinking I never want anything to do with that ever. And then, um, and then my, yeah, my agent said they, they want to see you for this role. And, um, and I, I didn't, I just didn't really want to, I really resisted it. Um, and <laughs> I did my thing that you pointed out earlier of thinking, well, there's a couple of things wrong with the script here. And uh, my agent said, well, why, do, why don't you go and talk about that, you know, when, when you're there? So um, What was it? Can you tell us? Um, what, what was, was it, it that didn't feel right? I felt as if at the time, and the, this, the script did change a lot, um, I felt slightly as if it was letting Fred West off the hook. But the thing that you have to remember as well is that the whole piece is seen from the point of view of Janet Leach, who mm. was his appropriate adult, who was sort of slightly in love with, with Fred. Mm. So she's more likely, Janet Leach is more likely to blame um, Rose for everything. And, yeah. you know, it, it is seen from that perspective. So, but I remember meeting, I met Brian Masters, who... Um, is actually it's just been played by Jason Watkins in in Dez. Um, oh, yeah. Well, we on had Laurie Kiniston on last week. Oh, okay. Well, the week before last, yeah. From he and he plays one of the attend. What do they call it? Defendants so or one someone what went in the courtroom. It's ever so interesting. Hearing oh, that he's a brilliant actor. Yeah. yeah. So it's nice yeah. to link it all together and see those interesting these because they were too big. We have a fascination with them, don't we, in this country, those kind of... Well, they do all over the world, I think. There is a certain morbid fascination, but it's also... It's just interesting to see why people choose to play those roles, I think, you know. And for you... Yeah. And here, it's interesting just hearing for you why you did it, you know. Yeah, so, well, I'm, I met um, Brian Mars. I've got a very mild-mannered friend who is massively into all of these books 
um, you know, to do with serial killers and everything. So I borrowed a book from him called She Must Have Known, mm. which was by Brian Masters and argues that Rosemary West must have known that Fred was doing these killings because she was married to him, etc. But Brian Masters' argument was that why must she have known just because she's married to him and he didn't think there was any evidence that she even met seven of the people. And so that was the first book I read. Um, and then I went into the audition with, you know, with, with Brian Masters' idea behind me and sort of thinking, how have we reached, reached the conclusion that she definitely killed them and all of that? So I think the... Um, I think the I think the people auditioning me were a bit flabbergasted, and then I read all the other books after that, and I thought, oh no, she, you know, yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh no, she probably was quite heavily involved. So, um, oh, good bit of hindsight there. Yeah, but anyway, the thing is, like we were talking about earlier, I was, you know, for actually for that audition, it it was useful because I was seeing everything from her point of view, and she was very much, and I think still is very much in in denial and and not facing up to what she did but yeah I, I I met um Brian Masters and then he put me in touch with Leo Goatley who'd been her solicitor and so I got hold of the transcripts and yeah wow. it was a really it was it was it was very interesting to to look at it all but it was also very chilling I mean I, I remember um I don't think I realise, I think this is the bit you're talking about when when we talked together before. Um, I don't think I realised how I was feeling at the time or what, what my state was at the time until afterwards when I remember going home and the guy who lived upstairs said, called down and said, Monica, Monica, you're on TV. And so I went up to his flat uh, with him and his girlfriend and looked at the TV and there was a scene, there was one of the scenes in the um, police station and I just, just under my skin, it just felt like ice. Um, it felt like my skin was there, but underneath was, was just ice and mm. I felt that really suddenly and I just thought, oh my God, that's how I felt all the time when I was doing that. Oh, so um, scary, isn't it? That's what yeah. I mean by becoming the character, the, you know, you kind of left a bit of your humanity behind and you did your little bit. You but you've got to, but that's why, again, that's why it's so important to call the character she and think of her objectively and someone that you're looking at. Because um, also, you know, like rule number one is your character's not you. Um, and and therefore you don't limit yourself and therefore you can um, you can be objective and, and, and your parameters are different. So... Um, so yeah, it was it was very important in that for us all to be able to talk about what they were doing, and and how they were behaving in quite a clinical way, almost. Mm. I think. And how is it you choose your roles? Like, how is it you are you do you look for specific roles, or does the character speak to you? Do you think I want to play that role because it speaks to something that I've never tackled before? How do you do those kind of things? You know, what's your I think um, I think it's always my gut. And sometimes it's interesting because the ones, you know, that you're most resistant to, like the Rosemary Wests, um, are sometimes they're the ones that you, you have to do that, that they frighten you a bit and therefore you're going to try harder and you're going to stretch yourself. Um, I remember being really shocked that I was offered Lady Macbeth. You probably wouldn't be so shocked at that, but I was. Um, Why would I not and I thought... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, another she friend of mine, another actress friend of mine, I said, someone's just offered me Lady Macbeth. Do you think I could do that? And she went, oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, I remember being really surprised at that and then reading it and just the energy and the focus and the drive of the woman and the lack of imagination of the woman was so wonderful um that you know when when I read it I thought oh yeah I really want to do that just just her she was so fueled you know mm. um but Has your friend seen you eat a magnum do you know, I don't know. Because anyone who's seen me at an Agnum think, oh, she could play Lady Macbeth. Anyone I'm, that can I'm, do that with I'm a Magnum. I'm actually slightly annoyed that I didn't get the Magnum into it now. Maybe if there's another production, I might be able to do that. I'm sure it's got a place somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, what flavour would she go for, Lady Macbeth? Magnum. Do you know what? I think she'd probably go for the pink one. The pink um, one, that? Raspberry. Yeah, I think there's a raspberry one, isn't there? Um... I thought she'd go for mint, crispy mint or something, you know, crispy mint magnum. She's not I think she'd go for something that looks pretty on the outside. Oh, that's true. Oh, mm. she's good, see? She knows her characters. That's there you go. Um, yeah, so I think I'd, I'd have to say that, I mean, I've certainly had journeys with scripts reading them where almost till the end I thought, there was one script in particular I remember I was livid most of the way through and I thought this is awful and wanted to throw it across the room and then it wasn't till the last scene I thought oh my god this is absolutely brilliant um so it's it you know it's it's if it takes you on an emotional journey yeah. and it's just it's just your gut and it's it's just very important to 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 go with that that's that's your instinct and that's what I always think that actors maybe writers set out more the intellectual map and then the actors are the animal bit with the fighty bit with the instinct bit so um that that's what you're working with that's what you're grappling with oh yeah well i'd love <laughs> to see some more stuff written by you monica because i you know i think she's she's ever so good listeners the writer she don't she don't do enough though she's got a big idea and she's cool just like that but i'd love to see a few more things and obviously she'd ask me to be in it and obviously i'd have to have a look at the time but the point I'd be is, very lucky if you were you in know, it, yeah. It would be gorgeous to see some more things. But you're busy, you're always busy, and that's a beautiful thing. And well, I'm, I'm hoping I'm, that... No, I've got to say it, Monica, now. I'm Sorry. telling the public here now. Okay. Okay. She's going to get an Oscar. <laughs> I've said it, I've always said it, and I'll say it here now. And you can put, we put £15 on down Paddy Power, me and you, Milky. She's going to get an Oscar. £15 each, we'll I'll go and do it Paddy. No, £15 each, we'll go down Paddy Power. Put it on. I'll tell you what, we'll make a couple of G out of that, I reckon, Milky. No worries. She's going to get a bleeding Oscar. I know that. I don't know what role it's going to be. Probably the Magnum in Lady Macbeth. She'll be playing the Magnum in this. That's what will swing it. Absolutely, the Magnum. Oh, But the, the problem is that, that well, you know, the, it's, it's all your idea now, isn't it, the Magnum? I right. suppose it came, it came from me originally. Yeah, it did. Well, exactly. You were the one that talked to <laughs> that Magnum in the way that you did. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that I was doing that. Oh, okay, maybe. No, it's a gorgeous thing though, because I was like, it's ever so experimental with the texture. I thought it was ever so good. It stuck with me. <laughs> it stuck with me. That's all I can say. It stuck with me. The magnum. I don't yes, really you. remember how you ate you your magnum. Magnum. I do the old thing in one me. I'm like an adder, a snake. Yeah, just you're like. But... Put the old thing in there and just pull out the stalk. So I eat it. Just and then you've got the a, like a little magnum shaped. Yeah, it just goes down my neck. The shape of the magnum goes down. Yes. And then I just... In your middle, you can see a magnum. In throat, like that, and it goes mm. in my tum-tum. Shush, Milky. He's having a giggle. 
Well, Monica, my gorgeous babe, I adore you. You know, you, you, we love you forever. And we thank you so much for coming on the show. It's ever so interesting hearing. I love all the little details how someone like Monica works. I adore it. Okay, hopefully the, the listeners at home have had a little insight as well. All right then, Monica, my beautiful babe. It's so lovely to see you both. And we'll see you probably, well, if you're not back till December, probably don't see you to your little Christmas drinks, will we? We, every year, Monica throws a little party. Oh, my God, she's got the loveliest. Oh, I don't know bits. about that this Lovely year. Lovely little crispy bits coming out the oven. Oh, no, probably not. No, well, I think we'll have to do that make? online. What's the cocktail? It's called make? a Gloriana. Oh, my God, the Gloriana. Glorianas are wonderful. I can They're still like, taste them. Yeah, so it's one, it's one part gin, half a part rose water. Oh, no, a teaspoon of rose water, half a part chambord and topped up with ginger beer. Oh, Gloriana, there you are. go. Tell you what, though, they've got a kick to them. Dropped they a bit do. On sh- dropped a bit on my shoe, it turned it into an open toe sandal. <laughs> that's how I like, That's how I have my party go with a bang. Oh, yeah, that'd be right. <laughs> All right, then, Monica, I love you lots. Have All a gorgeous right. time out there. We adore you. And Thank we'll see you. you. I love we'll you, see too. see you soon. It's so good to see you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Now... What a funny way to end the show with the sex lives and the rich and famous. And I'll tell you something, there was a little period in my life where I got ever so sick of all the fame and the notoriety and all that bits. It sort of thought, you know, I had to try my hand at something else. And I think about 1989, it was a big year for all them things that was a bit indie. Do you know what I mean? So Sex Lives and Videotapes, that was a famous film that came out. My Left Foot, Wallace and Gromit, all that. Dirty Den had just been shot by a daffodil in EastEnders and sales for my Doom perfume range, Diane Chorley, Fruity de Mer, was, if I'm honest, underwhelming. Nobody told me the name had anything to do with fish and English. I just pulled it off a menu in Alicante because I thought it sounded exotic. Now, my new agent at the time, Hazel, she said, we need a distraction, Diane. We need something to take the attention away. So she says to me, I've got you a role in a new film. It's British. It's independent. I'll tell you something. We'll have you on the cover of Face magazine before you can say Jive Bunny. I thought, I'm in. I could be the new bleeding Shirley Valentine. The fella was called Mike Lee. I swear to God, I ain't never seen anything more depressing than one of his films in my old bleeding life. People sat around in jogging bottoms, smoking snouts and trying not to cry. And the soundtrack, oh my God, it's like they recorded someone playing a cello whilst having a panic attack. Now, apparently, they don't have no scripts in these things. And Hazel was like, oh my God, Diane, you'll be perfect. You've got the gift of the gab. First day, I'm on set with this gorgeous fella called Jim Broadbent or something. He's playing a fishmonger. I can't remember what it was. Oh, my God, you should have seen me. They dumb me up like I've been dipped in chip fat. I said to her, hello, I look ever so greasy. It's like I've just fallen out the back of a cow. That Jim Broadbent fella was the fishmonger. Now, I was playing a woman called Tuppence who'd just stolen a bit of halibut because my DSS check hadn't come through. All of a sudden, Mike Lee shouts, action. Well, me mind went blank. The night before, I'd just watched a film called Back to the Future 2 and all I could think was a hoverboard. So every sentence ended up with me travelling through time on a hoverboard. He said, Diane, what are you bleeding thinking about a hoverboard for? He said, you're in Croydon in 1989. Margaret Thatcher's brought the countries to its knees and you've just stolen a piece of fish because you're feeding your 10-year-old son breast milk and you can't lift your head from exhaustion. I said, I'm sorry, Mike. I ain't cut out for this. It's 9.30 in the morning and all I can think about is having a peddy and a glass of Lambrisco. From then on, I thought, you know what, Diane? Stick to what you know. You're an entertainer. You're not bleeding Helen Mirren. So give them the glitz, give them the glory, give the people what they want. And that's when I released this beautiful song, The Sex Lives of the Rich and Famous. I hope you enjoy it, my beautiful babes. Here you go. Canvey Island, 
1982 Half of the red carpet Are doing it in our loo I wouldn't tell a soul In case my own secret's known But now my story's told My own secret's sold And that's the sex line Of the rich and famous Oh yeah She was nifty when it came to cunnilingus Good talker, good polka, and just like Roy Walker And Barry Moore was dubious with the things he liked to do Dress head to toe in Gucci, but always in the loo Cause that's the sex lives of the rich and famous Oh yeah, ooh Davidson and Virgo are troublesome too They had their fill of the ladies and some of the men too So put some sparkle in your cardi If you play your cards right They'll be snookering you, snookering you tonight They'll be snookering you, snookering you tonight Cos that's the sex lives of the rich and famous Oh yeah Of showing girls his mallet Itsy bitsy teeny weeny Dirty bloody habit Sam Fox would knock his socks off Whilst Parker took his clothes off I've seen him in just a piece of string And a half a tub of butter That's the sex life Of the rich and famous Oh yeah Oh my goodness me you lot So sad that it's our final episode of the season wow what an amazing time we've had thank you so much for tuning in and listening we've heard so many beautiful stories from so many beautiful people we've been ever so lucky thank you all for tuning in thank you to the gorgeous people working on it behind the scenes andy ben claire and of course gorgeous chris our producer we adore you this has been chatting with chorley it's a hat trick production produced by chris jones written by myself Diane Chorley and the music's written by myself and the gorgeous Milky and we send you all our love see you soon Milky put that light down Flexibility is great that's why there's yoga Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.